just want to carry on really from last week. So Nita spoke to us and she asked us the question, she asked us the question, should we put God first? Should we put God first in our lives? And, and she was talking about like, then if you put God first, it's like a league table of and priorities and orders, and that's the way the world works, but surely there's a better way, a different way. And her conclusion was that we should put God, and when I say God, Jesus, so interchangeable, Jesus is God. So when, and he's not a piece of bamboo, Jesus, but for this moment he, he is, just to help us, that when we take those different parts of our life, the different aspects. I mean, I think need to mention gardening. But I mean, if you, so if you're a gardener, maybe you need to put your gardening at the centre. Like, so Jesus is through the centre of your gardening. Or, uh, I don't know, of what? Football? Well, or your work. Your work. Or your friendships. Your marriage. Um... Cake, really should put Jesus at the centre of the cake. Um, every, you think of aspects of your life and need to say, look, just put Jesus at the centre. When Jesus is at the centre of all those different aspects of our lives, Jesus at the centre and um, He's, he's in it and he's pervading it. He's in it and he's through it. He's right there. And so life is like, it's all lined up. It's all in a right order then, isn't it? It's all in true alignment. So when Jesus, um, we put him at the centre of our lives, the different aspects of our lives, um, we find that it's, it's not only good for us, it's good news for us, but it will be, good news for other people. So when Jesus is at the centre, it's good. And so um, she was saying, why, why should we put Jesus at the centre? Well, because he's rather good. I mean, God is good. Uh, I might not be using the same words that need to use, you understand. But, you know, God is creator. He's sustainer. He's our saviour. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our rescuer. He's our freedom fighter. Jesus is simply amazing and awesome. And when we put Jesus at the centre of our lives, it is good for us. So it's about his character and his goodness. And you know what? As I was thinking about that, the, the other reason why it's good and right to put Jesus at the centre of our lives is because if he's not, if Jesus is not at the centre of our lives, someone or something else is. And the Bible talks about that being idolatry. That there's something else more important, more special, more lovely to us, more, in, more consuming to us than Jesus. Now, we might have Jesus in our life. We might have Jesus on the edge of something. But if he's not at the middle and the centre of our lives, someone or something else is. And it will look oh, very different. If Jesus is not at the centre, 
If Jesus is on the edge of our life, this isn't going to quite work as I imagined it because it won't stand up. But anyway, so, uh, well, that one will. If Jesus is not at the centre of our lives, it actually isn't good news for us and it's not good news for other people. In fact, we can know just enough about Jesus to make us miserable. We can't even enjoy our sin anymore, but we still do it. But we know he's there and we know we, ought, we, know we should and we can fall into legalism and all sorts of religiousity. And, and we don't enjoy Jesus and the goodness and the, the healing and the saving of Jesus. We get ourselves in a bit of mess. But Jesus is there. He's on the edge of our life. And, but it's not quite well. And there might even be some bits of our life where we just sort of think, well, do you know what? He, he's, well, I don't really want him to be involved in that part of my life. And Well, if... No, no, because it's just like it's not worth letting him go there. And so life is a bit different. Jesus at the centre of our lives is a much better thing than Jesus being on the edge of our lives. But Jesus on the edge of our lives is a good starting point. Because as we get to know him, and as we invite him in, as he gets closer, and as he's in there, we go, oh, wow. You know, when Jesus becomes Lord of part of our lives, then the other bits still look out of place, but they might start getting into alignment and lining up. And then as soon as you start putting Jesus in the centre of all the different bits of life, it feels like he's deconstructing our lives at times. It feels like he's pulling us apart. And then he's, and he's, do you want me there? Well, I do. Do you want me there? I do. Do you want me there? I do. And it's good news. It's good news for us. It's good news for others. And you know, even those broken bits of life that seem like, is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to change? Well, I don't know if it is. But when Jesus is at the centre of the mess, it's good for us. When Jesus is at the centre of our dysfunction, it's good for us. It may not feel like it always, but it's true. Jesus at the centre. If we leave Jesus on the edge, we'll get problems. There will be problems. There will be difficulties. Jesus at the centre doesn't mean there won't be problems and difficulties. It just means Jesus is at the centre and he is good. And he can take us through all sorts of things well. But when Jesus is just on the edge, you know, we can get burnt by things and we can smell of things. Our life can get a bit stinky and a bit ruined and that. But Jesus is still there, but he's not in the centre so let's, let us encourage us, let our spirit say to us, oh, come on, let Jesus be at the centre of this part of my life. Let Jesus be the centre of this part and this part. Let him be Lord of all. So it's So what does it look like What's it look like if we put Jesus at the centre of our everyday life? So our everyday, ordinary life, if we put Jesus at the centre of it, 
What does it look like? And so we're going to look at a few uh, passages from our Bible, and we're going to see people, interestingly, I've picked women. But there you go. Um, So if you want to turn in your Bible, because you're going to have your Bible with you, aren't you? So you're going to find Luke's Gospel. But for those of you who haven't got a Bible, I'm not guilt-tripping you because it's going to be on the screen. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. And as we read it now and as we think about it and as we chew it, we pray that we might meet with you. Lord, give us revelation, wisdom, insight, discernment to know what you are saying to us as a whole and to each one of us. Amen. So, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. So, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord... Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me out. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Just say it soaks into us. We're going to read it through again. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me out. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, so let's go back to verse 38, please, George. Thank you. So we've got two people here. What are their names? Okay, Mary and Martha. Who do you think, who do you think had, if you like, this one, had, had Jesus been at the centre of their everyday life in this moment? Mary. What was Mary doing? Say again. Being in the presence of Jesus. What was she doing in the presence of Jesus? She was listening to him. Sitting at his feet. Okay. So she was in the presence of Jesus. She was listening to him. She was sitting at his feet. They're marks of a life that is saying, Jesus, be the centre. What... Let's just think a little bit deeper and a little bit wider uh, with Mary. So we can say what she was doing. What wasn't she doing? 
She wasn't doing the washing up. She wasn't being distracted. At this moment, her eyes were glued on. Her eyes were fixed on. Her ears were fixed on. She was sitting at his feet. If you sit at someone's feet, what, does, what sort of things does that suggest to you? Worship, yeah? Praising. Humility. Humility is a good word. What about if you're sitting under someone's feet? The, the word submission. You're submitting. Did you say that, Julie? Well done, Julie. Didn't say it loud enough, didn't hear it. Now, I'm not, don't apologise for your voice. It was my ears. So she was submitting to him. Okay, so in this particular instance, at this time, it, this part of their everyday life, what about Martha? What was going on with Martha? Where was Jesus with Martha? On the edge. Yeah, Jesus on the edge. Okay, but where, where was Jesus? Where was he? Where was he? What, where was he? Whose house? Martha's. So Jesus, so let's just get Jesus was in Martha's house. That's a good thing, isn't it? But where was Jesus? He was on the edge. Why was he on the edge? Oh, I can't get it. <laughs> Why was he on the edge? She had to get food. Do you know what? I wonder if she did have to get food ready. I wonder if Jesus walked through the door and said, Martha, you have to get food ready. I wonder if that's what he said. I wonder if that's what happened. Do you think that... I mean, it doesn't say, but so we're... We're looking into the Bible, we're wrestling it. Do you think it might have been that she thought that she ought and should do it? Yeah. Okay, well, just, just a, it, could it could be a culture thing, yeah, culture thing. You were there, were you? No, 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 no. no. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm sorry. What's her address? No. <laughs> okay, so, so what was going on? Jesus was in her home. Jesus was at the edge. But what, what was coming out of, of, of Martha? So she was distracted. She was working hard. She was preparing. Frustrated. Maybe a bit of anger. How could you think she might be a bit frustrated or a bit angry? What is my sister doing? And more importantly, God, what are you doing letting my sister sit there listening to you when she should be in the kitchen helping me out? He would. He would. Okay. So, Jesus said, Look, she's chosen the better thing. But could you, could you do housework with Jesus being at the centre? Could you serve and do things? Could you actually do things with Jesus being at the centre of them? See, I guess it's, it's asking the question, who am I doing this for? And why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? They're good questions. Okay, let's, um, 
Let's flick over to uh, chapter 7 of Luke. So it's, if you're reading your Bible, you go backwards from 10. Just, just saying. So it's chapter 7. Thanks, Mark. I'm here all week. Um, so we're looking at verse 36. Okay. So um, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went, so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped the tears with her hair, his feet with her hair. He kissed, she kissed his feet and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Well, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had any money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the biggest debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. So, two people. A woman and Simon the Pharisee. A woman who everyone knew in the town, who was a sinner, and Simon who was a good religious bloke, a Pharisee. So, who had Jesus at the centre and who had Jesus at the edge? So, who had him at the centre then? How do we know this woman had Jesus at the centre of her life? What can we see? Sorry? Well, I don't, I don't know a name. It could be, but from this, I don't know a name. But what was she doing? Honouring Jesus, yeah? Submitting to Jesus. Got in there early, I heard that one, yeah? <laughs> Expressing her love. Kelly? 
So the jar and the perfume was worth a lot and she was just giving it to Jesus, pouring it out on Jesus. Consumed with Jesus, caught up with Jesus, just utterly loving him, worshipping. You know, you remember when Jesus washed the the disciples' feet and they wouldn't wash each other's feet because the feet at that time would all be dirty. And so it was a thing to do if you went round someone's house to have your, your feet washed by a servant or someone. But gee, that hadn't happened to Jesus. But this woman, she was quite bold, wasn't she? Because where, where was Jesus? Who? Pharisee's house. And it says that uh, the woman who had lived a sinful life learned, learned. Didn't say she was invited she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and she just got right involved. So imagine that. So she sort of in, invited herself to a party, got right involved. She's in someone else's house, but didn't give a monkey about the house. I think that's the technical Greek term there, the monkeys. Didn't care about anybody else around whose house it was. All she saw was Jesus. She was caught up with Jesus. Jesus is magnificent and wonderful and he's done so much for me. She's just caught up with Jesus. Not, not, not any distractions. Whereas, um, what's going on with, uh, with Simon? And Jesus is reading minds again because I love it. He's thinking something and then Jesus answers him. What a punch in the guts. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, the Pharisee who'd invited Jesus saw this and he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman is that she is a sinner. Pardon? Judging. Judging. Yeah? Anything else? What is he doing? Doubting. Who's he doubting? Who's he doubting? Yeah. So, so Jesus is, is, in a way, he's, uh, he's a bit thick, isn't he? Jesus doesn't even know who's touching him. How can he be a problem? He doesn't know anything. Okay. Anything? Thank you, Anthony. Anything else? Was that a, a hand or a stretch? Or were you trying to use the force? No, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so Jesus then tells, tells the story, doesn't he? But, so we can invite Jesus round our house. We can entertain him. We can have him around. He can be on the edge of our life, but we can miss him. We can miss him. Jesus wants to be at the centre of our lives because it's good for us and it's good for other people. It is good. See, when Jesus is king and Lord, the kingdom of God comes in our lives. That is good news for us. When we come under new ownership, new authority, it is good for us. But it's also very, very good for other people because we'll start thinking like Jesus and behaving like Jesus. So it's really important that we get at normal, everyday, ordinary lives, 
with Jesus at the centre of them. Jesus running through it. So I want to say this as well. Not only do we need to put Jesus at the centre of our lives, but we need to centre our lives on Jesus. Okay? We need to centre our lives on Jesus. We can invite him in. Jesus, be the centre of my life. He'll come through, but am I centred on him? So, we need to centre our lives on Jesus. So, an example of Jesus, if you go to Luke, no, sorry, John, chapter 5, sorry, George. John 5, um, where is it? It's in the Bible, it's there, isn't it? It's that way. See, because I mocked you earlier... I'm in trouble now. John 5, 19. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then verse 30, John 5:30. Jesus said this, by, by myself, I can do nothing. Jesus said, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. By myself, says Jesus, I can do nothing. Jesus was totally and utterly dependent on his relationship with his father. It was only out of that relationship, the overflow of that relationship that Jesus spoke, that Jesus said things out of the overflow of the relationship. Jesus did things out of the overflow of that relationship. So he only said and did what he saw and heard his father doing. So he needed this relational link. So some people might be confused, thinking Jesus is God and then there's Father. So Christians believe in one God, a monotheistic faith. But they believe that that one God is three distinct different persons known as the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct different persons living in an awesome, complete Unity, one God. And so within this divine Godhead, there is relationship. And when Jesus was walking the earth as a man in a human body, he took time out to relate to his father. So Jesus knew that he needed relationship with his father. So he's modeling something to us. I can do nothing apart from him. I can't do anything. Does that remind you of any bit of the Bible at all? John, John 15. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and you will produce good fruit. So if you're a vine, you'll produce grapes. Okay. If, if you're connected in 
to the vine, rooted in establishing the vine, the life flow of Jesus will flow through us, it's picture language, and good fruit will be produced. So he says, remain in me. Apart from me, says Jesus, you can do nothing. So I am totally and utterly dependent on my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with the Father, because Jesus leads us. He, he calls us to be his disciples, follow him, learn from him. But he also says that by believing in Jesus, by being born again, the Holy Spirit, we become children of God, that we are adopted children of God. And we get to sit with Jesus, with the Father in heavenly places. So we are totally and utterly dependent on our relationship with Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Apart from God, we can do nothing. That divine, holy connection, union, is what we need to produce a fruitful life. But it's okay, we don't need to look like grapes, but we do need to look like Jesus. And the fruit of a life in embedded in Jesus, joined with Jesus, will be Jesus, godly living. But apart from him, we can do nothing. It's really interesting what you said. One sec, where's the microphone? You've been sharing about hospitality, basically, and you looked at two, um, two different homes, two different households. You've been talking about hospitality and how it could be expressed in different ways, and um, maybe with good feeling, but, but still not Jesus being at the center or being at the center in a different way. And um, in this verse, uh, verse 4, remaining in Jesus and Jesus remaining in us is really another type of hospitality because it's basically saying, let Jesus be at home in us and we be at home in Jesus. And, and that seems to be what Martha was doing. And... Um, as, as, as you were saying, James, what, what the woman who was you know, cleaning his feet and, and perfuming him, that level of hospitality was happening at a, in, in a different way. And so it's a challenge to me, really, when I read this, about being at home in Jesus. That's essentially what he's saying there. It's that, that's the first stage of, 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 of hospitality that he really wants, that I be at home in him. Um, and that he be at home in me. It's, yeah. it's just fantastic. That's what he's really saying by remaining in me, a Amen. different sort of home. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So it's all about relationship. And, the, you know, I've said this, I'll say it again, but the church, this building, I know it gets called church. It's not. It's a, it's a building. It's a hall. We are the church. We are a we're the living stones that are built together that God lives in by his spirit. So if we make Jesus at home in, in us and then we carry the very presence of God so we can be hospitable to other people even when we're in their homes because we carry the hospitality of God within us. So it's not just about inviting people around your place but even when you're at work or on the bus you can reveal and show the hospitality of God to other people because you can be a hospitable person. So 
Let us enjoy our brother Jesus. Let us enjoy our Father God and live in unity as an adopted child of God, loved and precious. Let's be at home in the family. So apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, all heaven can break loose. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, what I'd like to do, and time's going, so I might only do one of my things, and that's okay. Um, I wanted to just, and some of these will be obvious, and people will know them, and some of it might be we just need to be reminded of it. But oh, I just want to think about some holy habits that we can do or spiritual disciplines that we can do that help us to centre our lives on Jesus so that we are fixed on him, focused on him, centred on Jesus, on God the Father, on the Holy Spirit and not distracted or doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Because if we're doing the things that he's asked us to do, I don't think we'll get bitter, resentful as to why other people aren't helping us because we get to do this. I get to do this. Fantastic. But when we're doing it grudgingly with a bitter heart and it seeps in, you'll find that rather than Jesus coming out of people, what comes out of people is is our old fallen nature, angst and stress and blur, and, and people end up being sick of people. And it's like, whoa. So I just want to say, look, if you want to be part of this church family and you want to serve, brilliant, go for it. But please don't do it because you think you ought to or you should do and get bitter and resentful and angry about it. And you think, don't do it. Simply step out and just think, I'm not in the right place. I need to step out of it. And if, if everything falls apart, then it falls apart. But at least we're not being horrible to each other. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's serious. If we're going to serve Jesus, let's serve Jesus. If I'm looking at you and serving you, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm serving him. If I can do it with that heart, I do it and I love it. But if I'm doing it because I'm paid or because if I don't, someone's going to feel bad about me or everyone should really pay their little bit, it's just like it's the wrong attitude and it will make us sick. Now, it's not an excuse not to serve, because I would say, repent from your sinful, wicked, rebellious ways and serve. And one of the ways, just like one of the ways that we can centre our lives on Jesus is by serving, is by serving well, is by rolling up our sleeves and getting right involved and letting him deal with our heart. So, so servant, serving, doing what Jesus wants you to do, getting involved with what Jesus is already doing, recognising this is what Jesus is doing and thinking, oh, I think, I think he wants me to join in with him. I get to do this. Awesome. And then people will go, well, I wouldn't want to do what you're doing. Oh, I love doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't want to do what you're doing. Oh, no, I love doing what I'm doing. So everyone will be in that place of love and joy. So serving is really important. Mary Martha's story is not um, anti-serving. It's just doing it 
with the right heart at the right time, being the right person in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing in the right way out of reverence and submission to King Jesus and for no other reason. And then joy will fill the house of God. So, because we're getting used up for his purpose. So, prayer. Prayer. Our relationship with God. Prayer. Jesus, connected to his Father, Jesus constantly, if you read through the Gospels, you will find that Jesus gets up early in the morning to pray. You will find that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. You will find that Jesus stayed up all night and prayed. He knew how all the awesome stuff that he did, the miracles and stuff like that, he knew he could not do anything without that relational link with his father. Our relationship with God, our walking humbly with our God is the most important thing. Everything else comes out of that. So if we're not in relationship, because like we can, there's a difference between talking about something and doing something. And Christians on the whole, we can talk about doing loads of things. But what do we do? Now, we can talk about prayer. But we can also pray and be in relationship with our God. And so, how can we remain in him through this relationship of prayer? I don't know who you're on the phone to or who you're WhatsApping or who you're um, other social medias or um, FaceTime or iPad or whatever. I don't know who you're spending your time with. But I have one question. Are you spending more time there than you are with Jesus? Just, just a throwaway thought. So, I don't know whether I'm going to say it. I'm, I'll probably regret. I might say it some more next week. So, I might say, I might say something else next week. Anyway, so centering prayer, okay? It's important that Jesus is at the centre of my life. And it's important that I centre my life on Jesus. So... Fantastic. Again. Fantastic. See, the thing is this. When you've got to go, you've got to go. And may we have that sense of desperation and desire in our hearts that we run away to be with Jesus. Because part of the enemy of spending time alone with God is that we spend time with other people or we spend time doing other stuff. And wouldn't it be good if he gave us a holy reminder and just say, oh, I need to go and be with Jesus now. No, I need to go right now. Quick, let's go and be with Jesus now. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. I'm going to leave that till next week. So I'm going to, I'm going to end. Um, so, did you say crumbs? Or good? <laughs> He's finally stopping. So, lots to think about and consider. Thank you so much for your input there, Tony. I love, love it, thinking about hospitality and that. So, um, why don't we respond now? You don't have to. I'm not making you. Don't you know? But respond, and just think, Lord, I I just want to be so in with you. I want you to be in the centre of my life, and that is as best I can today. It's an attitude of heart. It's as best I can today.
I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be in the middle and the center of everything as best I can. But I want to turn myself to you, Lord, and center myself on you. And thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you for prayer as communication with you, for prayer as relationship with you. And now, I, as I know how, I simply turn myself to you, Lord Jesus. I present my life to you. I say, Lord Jesus, be the centre. But I choose to centre my life on you. Help me to do that, I pray. For your name's sake, for your glory, for your honour. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So it might be that you just want to wait and be still in this moment. To be still and know that God is God. To be still and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. To remind yourself who, who this life is for. That we have been bought at a price. That we are no longer our own. But that we are his that we are his servants and we are his children. Thank you, Lord. So I just want to give anyone here the opportunity um, that it's not that you're, you're not even thinking about Jesus at the centre of your life. He's probably not even on the edge, but you're just sort of thinking, I don't even know if I believe all this stuff. I don't, what I've just heard about, I, I really don't know. I just want to give you an opportunity. It's a prayer I prayed um, many years ago, and it went like this. God, if you are real, will you please let me know? So it might be that you know someone here, or you've heard about someone's life being changed, or, and you're thinking, what? What? I don't get it. So just, just between you and God now, just say, God... If you're real, will you please let me know? Amen. And, that, and that's a prayer. Okay.